0: The passion of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. <clears throat> so Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests, and the Pharisees and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons then Jesus knowing all that was to happen to him came forward and asked them who are you looking for they answered Jesus of Nazareth Jesus replied i am he Judas who betrayed him was standing with them when Jesus said to them i am he they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again, Jesus asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of, them, of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword away, put your sword back into the sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First they took him to Annas who was the father-in-law Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Jesus was standing outside the gate, <clears throat> so the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? Peter said, I am not. Now the slaves of the police had made a charcoal fire, because it was cold, and they were standing around it warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, "I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple, where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said." When he had said this, <clears throat> one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the law. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Anna sent Jesus, bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. Those who were standing near the fire asked him, You are not also one of Jesus' disciples, are you? Peter denied it and said, I am not. Uh... One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it. At that moment, the cock crowed. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They said they themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to meet the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation did you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take them yourselves and judge them according to your law. The Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated that kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, you ask this no. on your own? Or others tell about me. Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, answer. My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So, you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is true? After Pilate had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the King of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him and saying, "Hail, king of the Jews,' and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to the Jews, "'Look, I am bringing him out to you "'to let you know that I find no case against him.'" So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, "'Here is the man.'" When the chief priests and the police saw Jesus, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die. because He is claimed to be the son of God. Now, when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate, therefore, said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it was given to you from the law. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release Jesus, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man who are no friend of the emperor, everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. Pilate heard these words. He brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone pavement, or in Hebrew, Gavita. Now it was the day of preparation for Passover, and it was about noon. Pilate said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him. Crucify him. Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then Pilate handed them over to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross himself, he went out, to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha, there they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, "Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews." Many Jews read this inscription, because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, standing near her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son, Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of the preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath. Especially that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity, So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with them. When they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you may also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, They will look on the one who they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one, because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed the body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 100 pounds. He took the body of Jesus, wrapped it with the spices of linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please be seated. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood, where the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us. His precious blood. It's an old Welsh hymn written by William Rees in the early 19th century, one about the crucifixion and the love of God. Here we gather on this evening with a stripped altar and a sense of darkness. Good Friday has always struck me as being like a funeral, but unlike a funeral where we say it is a celebration of life, there is little celebration. And yet, it is a day that is good and holy because of the act that Jesus did for all of us. Everything in this story is a culmination of sin. Now, when I say sin, I don't mean just people doing bad things, although there are plenty of examples of, that, of this. But more than that, it is sin which is the brokenness of the world, that thing that is inescapable and leads to suffering and pain. It is that brokenness which made Judas rationalize betraying Jesus or Peter to deny Jesus. But it goes even deeper than that, friends. It is the brokenness which led to the oppression of the Judean people by a vast empire, so much so that crucifixion was normalized. It is that brokenness which twists half-truths into lies and allows for mocking of someone already being put to shame, but somehow that mocking is rightly calling him a king. And it is that same sin which infects the world in which we live, so that we also know injustice, and we also occasionally succumb to untruths. In an age of instant media, we also become numb to the horrors of the world. The world is not right, and this story of Christ's crucifixion demonstrates that at every step. It is a story that is about human weakness, but that is not the end of the story. It is not just about human weakness, but it is human weakness, which is overcome by divine strength. For as the writer of Hebrews says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who in every respect has been tested, as we are, yet without sin. God, in the person of Jesus Christ, lived the fullest of human experiences. Jesus was born just as we were, tempted just as we are, suffered just as we do, and he even died just as we will. God did not cheat, but experienced the fullest of human life. More than sympathy, friends, as the writer of Hebrew puts it, this is compassion. Compassion is the deepest of feelings that one can have for another. Compassion is different than all those other feeling, emotions that we can have. It is different than pity, which is really a feeling of disgust, or sympathy, which looks at suffering from a distance. It's different even than empathy, which feels what someone feels. But compassion is a different sort of thing. Compassion is living alongside Another. The word compassion literally means in Latin to experience with. And Christ is the embodiment of compassion. In Jesus, God experiences human existence in every single way, even the worst of human experiences. God, in the person of Christ, experiences rejection, torture, suffering, and death. So often, people wonder, where is God when bad things happen? I was listening to the radio on the drive here a few days ago, and I heard an Orthodox priest and a rabbi discussing this very matter. Where is God? when bad things happen? Where is God when there is war, famine, disease, and disaster? It's a question that often shakes people's faith. And sometimes, in fact, in this day and age, I see more and more it is a question that is used as a weapon against faith. But the reality is that when bad things happen, God is experiencing them right there with the suffering in the fullest and deepest way. Because compassion is the deepest form of human love. It is a love which gets so deep into the human heart, it knows intimately the fear that drives even his own betrayal. It understands the shame which we feel. It is a love that knows these things so deeply that it can even forgive because it knows that when we commit even the worst sins, we do not really know what we do. Compassion is not a fix, which we would so often like, but rather it is a love that will go into the trenches with us and take on the pain for us. And in this compassion, there is victory. Because the cross is not just about suffering and dying for us, it is about making an instrument of shame into a release of sin. It is about taking what we human beings intend for evil and turning it into the ultimate good. Where like Peter we might use a sword against our enemies, Christ heals the wounds. Where we experience loss like Mary, Christ commends us to new relationships. The cross is the undoing of all that is wrong in our sinful and broken world. And this is the love. This is the love that God has for humankind. Grace and love like mighty rivers. Poured incessant from above, and heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. Amen. Thank you for joining the St. John the Divine podcast. If you're interested in worshiping with us, you can visit us at 9 a.m. at our church, which is at 216 East Chandler Boulevard in Burlington, Wisconsin. If you want to learn more about us, you can click the link in the description or visit stjohnthedivine.org. Just remember, we're the one in Burlington, Wisconsin, not the cathedral in New York. Have a great day. Bye.